What's up, everybody? Welcome into another episode of the How Not to Be a Youth Pastor podcast. Kyle and Derek here, back with you to find out more ways how not to be a youth pastor. Derek, how are we doing today? I am fantastic. How are you? You know, it's uh, it's Minnesota and it's April, which means it's still snowing. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I think I'm doing okay. But have no fear. It's going to be 70 degrees before we know it. And then probably snow again and then come back to 70. You know what? I actually looked at the forecast for this weekend and it's supposed to be, it's 50, high 40s, low 50s this week. Correct. Next Saturday or Sunday, I don't remember which one, is supposed to be 71. 72. Oh, yeah. yeah, Saturday. And then early next 40s. week is back yeah. to 40s. Yep. It's one day of a 15 degree spike. Yeah, it's amazing. But I also think it's supposed to rain, so yes. we can't even go out and enjoy it. Oh, we can. You just have to dress accordingly. No, that's fair. If you have the right attitude, you can enjoy any amount of rain. Amen. Uh, you know, that sounds really insensitive to like the people that lived through Hurricane Katrina. Yeah, that's also true. I'm gonna I'm gonna take that one back. Uh, quick question of the day today. Good on you. Good on you. Um, I'm so sorry. Uh, quick question of the day today, Derek. In your opinion, other than the youth pastor, which church staff member works the hardest? You know, I have some strong thoughts on this, and my strong thoughts are I'm gonna let you decide what this answer <laughs> is. Because seems like a cop out. It is because I don't know what to do with this question, and you and you drew it up. So I'm gonna let you. Uh, do what you will here. I think that we can all agree that lead pastors work the least. Um, (laughs) Sounds like a slap in the face (laughs) to you. Yes. Uh, No, honestly, uh, I, I, the question came to me and I was like, Oh, this is kind of funny. But you know who I'm going to give the rare shout out to uh, when it comes to our church staff is our kids pastor. I knew Scott Um, was going to come on to this. Yeah. Honestly, honestly, kids pastors work hard. Yes. And uh, I, it's it's funny because I look at kids ministry and I'm like God bless the people that do it because I could never do it for real yeah but if you ask the kids pastors they're like they're probably like God bless the youth pastors because I can never do it um, so maybe there's a little bit of bias there but uh, he also you know at our church staff he wears multiple hats he's also yeah. the executive pastor and and he works a lot so I'm, f- I'm gonna give like, him the shout out I feel like worship pastors honestly. This is not always the case, but I feel like sometimes they are kind of underrated because mm-hmm. like they are doing so much worship stuff, but there's, I feel like in most churches, not all, but most churches, like they would be considered the creative pastor. Yep. And so along with that comes sometimes graphic design or, you know, stage design or all this other stuff that comes with it. And again, this is not a, a universal rule, but I think it's it's a, it's vital to shout out the the worship pastors because and people don't understand if you are not a creative person if you don't do any graphic design you don't understand how much time oh, goes into graphic yeah. design and, and so, energy because yeah. you have to just like it, it, you're just sometimes you're sitting at your computer going what do I want to do here like that yeah it, I've I've had a, several conversations with Nate who's our worship leader here. Uh, about this. And his pet peeve is when people come to him and say, hey, can I get a slide for, you know, whatever it is? Uh, Hey, we're doing a, you know, a church business meeting. I don't know, whatever it is. We need a slide for this. And it's kind of his pet peeve almost because he's like, I have, I have nowhere to start from. 
if if you at least tell me like, hey, we're doing this, uh, you know, churchwide cookout. I need a slide for it. Can you put a grill and the times yeah. and the date on there? You know, that helps. Right. Uh, I well, want I want a burger, a little image of a burger on there, and I want it to be red. Well, and and sometimes it's like. Hey, can I get a slide for this Sunday? And it's like Thursday at three <laughs> yeah. o'clock. You know, it's like especially okay. when that person's weekend is Friday and Saturday, right? But Thursday at three, you're like, hey, I need a slide for Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, it's nuggets. I, I, all, all the respect to the kids' pastors, to the worship pastors, to the lead pastors. Apparently, uh, for, basically for, for working hard. Basically, everybody besides the youth pastor, yeah. are the ones that work the hardest. I do feel like there is this assumption though that the youth pastor works the least. Oh, for sure. You know, like I feel like that's definitely. I think we've talked about this on this podcast, but other youth pastors, you'll appreciate this. I, I, I want to start having a tally of people who ask me. So what's your real job? Yeah. Like, 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 what do you do during the day? But I will say some of that probably comes from, you know, if you get somebody who comes from a smaller church setting sure. uh, in their past, and and then you jump to a larger church setting where the youth pastor is full-time on staff, um, you know, I'd, I'd say that, you know, it's probably part of the reason where they're, you know, where they're coming from when they ask a question like that. But... Also, again, planning some of the events that that youth pastors plan uh, is not something that happens overnight. No, uh, it takes a lot of time, and so that's that's where a lot of our hours go: is planning events, planning sermons, practicing all of that Gaga ball. fun stuff. Well, yes, obviously practicing Gaga ball. Um, like one of my biggest regrets in life is the fact that for now it's forever established that you are a slightly better Gaga ball player than I am. <laughs> that is one of the best stories, and I will I will hold on to that forever. Yeah, I won't. Um, <laughs> so today's episode, uh, we are talking about leading small group discussions. Uh, no matter what your youth ministry looks like, no matter what kind of programming you have, uh, chances are you're going to have some sort of small group discussion opportunity at some point. Uh you know, it might be once a year at camp, or it might be every single week. It might be multiple times every single week. Uh, and and whether it's you leading it or your leaders leading it, uh, it's it's a really really crucial time uh, in your ministry to break down walls with students, open eyes, reach revelation. And if it's not stewarded well. Uh, it it can be very unproductive. I feel like small groups really are where the rubber meets the road. I mean, a lot of times, small groups, not always, but a lot of times they come on the heels of a message or a sermon where inevitably the pastor or the speaker, whoever it is, just dropped a wealth of different things for them to chew on, think about, and, you know, on the flip side, if you don't do small groups and they just walk out, go, oh, that was cool, and there's really no actual, okay, I'm going to go home and do this, um, it, it can sometimes just kind of fall on deaf ears. And so I feel like small groups are such a great way to kind of go, okay, now, I hurt, now I'm feeling inspired, but now what do I do with that? Right. I think that uh, it's, it's very crucial, like, you know, like we've said, and, and most messages... I think need that follow up 
piece. Yeah. Uh, you know, most most messages, most sermons, and it can be done in the sermon, depending on what it is. Uh, you know, your your takeaway action piece can be given from the pulpit. But I'd say more often than not, you can benefit from uh, further expounding on that in connect groups. Yeah. And I think as we go into this episode, I'll just be fully transparent. Like small groups are something that I have saw the need for, for really years. Right? I mean, since I've been in this youth ministry and in, in our church, in our context, it, it's been hard to get them off the ground. It's been hard for us to have the leaders feeling confident. And so I've been trying to, you know, put together some different things to, help train them or, you know, the, the students, because that culture was not pre-established for them, you know, getting them invested into it has been a challenge. And so while I see the need for small groups, we haven't necessarily had successful, vibrant small groups, connect groups, whatever you want to call them. Uh, and so if you're in that spot today, I think as we talk through all these things, uh, I think it's one, it's important to not feel like you're failing because it's not always just clean cut and dry. But at the same time, I think there's a lot of good stuff that we're going to discuss here that will help you either A, like start small groups effectively or B, make them more fruitful or more effective. And yeah. so there's, there's a lot of wherever you're at in that spectrum. I just want to kind of have that caveat because, um, I'm coming at this very much as a student as well. Uh, not like a, a youth student, but like learning kind of, cause I know you guys have effective small groups. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this episode, both as a fellow podcaster and your co-host. I love it. And, and we're going to, you know, just to kind of set some, uh, expectations is the wrong word, but, uh, vocabulary maybe, I don't know. Uh, set some parameters like for, for our discussion here. Uh, you know, in talking about the format of these groups and just kind of given some options here right off the bat, uh, small groups is probably the most common phrasing that yep. you will hear. Uh, I've got nothing against small groups. You get some people that are really passionately against the phrase small groups because it has the con- connotation that uh, it's inclusive or it's exclusive. It doesn't grow. Sure. Um, you know, you'll hear like our, our youth ministry uses the phrase connect groups. Um, it's six of one half dozen of another. Like it's, right. it's not a huge, I, the other one that actually was the uh, phrase used in the youth ministry I grew up in was cell groups. Interesting. Uh, and not like a prison cell, uh, but you know, referring to, uh, like biology. Yep. Uh, and the purpose behind it was, that you know when it comes to cells in biology you know they they want to multiply sure uh and and so there was kind of that imagery there that you know our our cell groups within our youth ministry uh we want them to be healthy we want them to grow and yeah. we want them to multiply out and so i don't i don't care what every single youth ministry in the country calls these groups uh but what i would encourage you to do is have some intentionality with it if you're going to call them connect groups uh like we call them connect groups because connection is a really big point of what we do and fellowship is very key in these groups yeah if you know that if that healthy multiplying out 
uh, you know, culture is important to you and you want to call it cell groups, great. If you want to call it small groups because uh, you value like, hey, we want to really get down and get personal yep. uh, and, and it's not a big group, <laughs> it's a small group, uh, then, then call it that. But just have some intentionality. The other way you can be intentional, and, and this is going to be ministry specific as well, is the age and gender yep. uh, breakdown. Uh, you know, for us in our context, it works really well to break our groups down by both. And so we have high school boys groups. And so those groups are nine through 12, uh, you know, guys only, we've got high school girls groups, middle school girls groups, middle school boy groups, uh, you know, breaking it down like that. If you get into a larger context, some churches will break it down specifically by grade. Um, you know, some, some churches will break it down specifically by grade, but not by gender. So like all the sixth graders are together and we will actually do that depending on the message as well. Yep. Uh, you know, we will try to find some creative ways to, Hey, this week, our middle school groups are all going to kind of intermingle, uh, with our guys and our girls, our high school groups doing the same thing or, our middle school girls and high school girls are going to intermingle yeah. and and mix the groups that way. Yeah. And then our high school boys and our middle school boys intermix. But just a couple uh, ways that we can uh, get get a little bit creative, but it also helps you to set the right tone yeah. uh, for what you're looking for in your connect group. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but you know, with middle school and high school students, there's a pretty big difference yeah. in how deep they're willing to go or, yep. or what they're ready for sometimes. And so having some of those barriers and some of those different groups can be really helpful for your leaders as well. Yeah. And I think it's also, you know, important to think about as a youth pastor, when you look at at these connect groups, you're obviously not a clone. And so you're looking at leaders leading these groups. And that's why this episode really is focused on how we can both train small group leaders to lead them effectively along with youth pastors, how you can train your leaders. But where I'm going with this is I think it's also important to mention that you're very strategic as to which leader you're putting in which group. Uh, You know, naturally you'll have a leader who has a higher affinity for the younger students or for the older students. And, you know, it it shouldn't just be a drop of the hat. Hey, um, Jim, you're going to go and be, you know, this, this small group leader. Like, have some intentionality. If you're, if we're going to be intentional, about what we call the thing, we really got to have intentionality behind who we have leading each individual group because really that leader really is the catalyst. They're to go with your cell. They would be like the nucleus. I mean, they got they got wow, to be the. Good. Hey, you're, you're talking to a former science major. All right, you I took one year. You know, science hey, classes. Hey, I t- technically too because I took some <laughs> upper level college That's classes fair. in high school. That's fair. Um, so first of all, we're keeping that analogy the rest of the episode. Thank you. Uh, second of all, I don't know why it took us 37 episodes to figure this out, but you just had a hypothetical leader named Jim. Yep. And I feel like for the rest of this entire podcast, however many years and decades we yep. do this, uh, all of our hypothetical students, leaders, youth pastors, whoever need to be named after office characters. I'm down. I'm um, totally down. So that's that's for sure happening. But anyway, Stanley will be next. <laughs> youth leader Stanley. Yep. Uh, I. You know what? I'm not sure that I would want him as a youth leader. I'm not sure that I would want most office characters. Say, as which a youth one would leader. you want? Um, Pam would be a good I was youth just leader. I think Pam. Yeah. Pam for sure. Um, you know who would be an underrated youth leader would be David Wallace. I feel like he could do oh it. Oh my gosh. I feel like he could do it. He's he's got patience for days. Yep. Uh, anyways, um. 
Jim would be middle school students. He'd have totally. to be with middle school students. Yep. Um, no, but I, I completely agree. Like you're going to get different leaders that are gifted in different areas. You're going to get some leaders that like maybe just, it's not even on the radar to put them in front right. of students and lead a connect group like that. Yep. Um, but you know, John Maxwell always talks about the, the law of the lid when it comes to leadership and, uh, your organization is only going to grow, uh, as, as much as the leader is. Uh, hmm. and, and if you have leaders underneath that youth leader, or if you have leaders underneath the, the main leader that raised to a higher level of leadership, they're going to leave. And his point is, that everybody can grow. Yep. Uh, and that might be a different law. I don't know. I don't have all 21 or 17, however many memorized. It's on a bookshelf behind me somewhere. Um, I'm too lazy to go and get it. Uh, <laughs> I don't blame you. But my point in bringing this up is I think it's also true with youth leaders and, and leading a small group discussion. You know, pretty much every youth leader can grow in leading a small group discussion. We can all be better at that. Yep. And so our hope with this episode is that like, I'm probably going to just straight up take this link and send it out to my youth leaders and say, Hey, take a listen to this in the next week Yep. because I want all of our youth leaders to be better at leading discussion in connect groups. You know, when I, like if we have some leaders gone and I step in to lead a connect group, I want to be better at this. And so, you know, again, like Derek said, we're preaching to ourselves here as well. But one of the, one of the big overarching themes, uh, when it comes to tips to leading a connect group and don't worry, we have 10 rules that we'll get to later. We're very organized. (laughs) But uh, you start attaching like a PDF with like the notes that you can like people like oh that is such a good they can idea. fill them in. <laughs> That's such a good They're idea. They're driving down the road listening to our podcast. And, oh, I missed that one. They're a pullover yeah. in order to right. fill in the blank, or just do it while they're driving. I'm not going to encourage it. Yeah, probably not. But off the record, I'm not going to discourage it. Fair enough. Um, I think one of the biggest keys to leading connect groups or or leading these small group discussions well is seeing yourself as the facilitator, not as the teacher. Uh, you know, facilitators guide the conversation, whereas teachers just talk. Uh, you know, facilitators will start the discussion, but teachers are the ones that, like, they end the discussion. Like, no, this is this is what we're talking about. This is the words and yeah. everything. And, and the last thing I wrote down that I love is, uh, wow, that was really humble. Uh, <laughs> facilitators pick the path. Teachers pick the steps. I like that. Uh, you know, when it comes to leading these discussions, really you're facilitating them is yep. what you're doing. And you want to steer, you want to be the guardrails on yeah. the road, but you don't want to always be the one that is picking. Here's where every single student's yep. step needs to be. Yep. I, I kind of like this idea because I think a lot of times pastors, we have a natural tendency to fill that teacher role. You know what I'm saying? Like when we, when we yeah. jump into uh, a small group, connect group, whatever you want to call it, we naturally have a tendency to just like have a post sermon sermon almost. Yeah. Especially when you just got done right. teaching. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to, to sort of take that off is, is getting, maybe that's something we should mention too, that I think in an ideal world, the youth pastor is not necessarily leading a hundred percent. You know, uh, that's, that's what I aim for. Yeah. Um, but like we have, you know, to use a real life example, I have a current college student who is a, the leader of one of our connect groups. Yeah. 
and he is wrapping up. I mean, we're in we're late April right now. Yep. He's wrapping up his college degree. He's in his last year, so yep. he's got a bunch of senior project stuff going on. And so he told me well in advance, which props to him. Yep. Uh, hey, I'm probably not going to be around much this month because I'm wrapping up all this stuff. I was yep. like, cool, sounds good. And so I've been stepping in the last couple of weeks to lead that connect sure. group. Uh, it's not ideal. Right. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you got to step in where you yeah. can, but, but it is, you know, whoever is speaking, it's always ideal if they're not the one jumping straight into lead a connect group, both from a, a discussion standpoint. And this is something that I'm starting to realize too, in an ideal world, the youth pastor, while you are a integral part of the puzzle, if your ministry cr- like crumples and falls apart, if you're not there, that's kind of a warning sign that, okay, we need to do something different. And so I think that's where like this, this small group thing really helps build infrastructure from within of where students don't just look to you as the youth pastor and go, they're awesome. But they then see their small group leader and go, okay, he's awesome. She's awesome. They're great. And that just kind of brings some stability and retention that is not solely bent on the youth pastor. Yeah. Everything can't just rise and fall. On, yeah. on one person for sure. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I think honestly, just to even put a little bow on this little facilitator thing is I think a small, like, like a good, really, really good small group leader, like people don't realize they're talking. Like yeah. they, they, they almost get something going and then they just almost like just back away and just let yep. the thing happen. And then as you're saying, I love the guardrail analogy because a lot of times there are rabbit trails and things that happen, which we'll talk about here in a second. But you know, I think a really, really good small group leader is one that is is seen and not heard. You mm-hmm. know, one that is there and helping, but is not. Yeah, the, you're like the, the referee, point. right? Yep. Uh, or the tech booth volunteer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> seen I but like not that. heard. Uh, or you know, you're doing your job well when nobody knows you're there. Yep. Uh, yeah, I tell our I tell our our facilitators, if we want to call them that, I, I tell our leaders, you know, you're leading the connect group discussion. Well, if you talk about 20% of the time, yep, uh, and even that might be a high number. Uh, <laughs> so one of the best things, uh, to set your leaders up well, when it comes to small group discussion is, you know, making sure that they're asking the right questions. And, you know, for us, I, I'll send an email out to my leaders every week with uh, a list of at least three, sometimes four or five questions that they can kind of use to kick off discussion in their in their groups. And I tell them, you know, these are guidelines. You don't have to go through yep. all, all of these questions. Um, but I want to share, and this might be, you know, to the youth pastors, but I also give our leaders the freedom if they want to come up with their own questions, they can. They might know their group better than me. Yeah. Uh, which again goes back to, you know, if the youth pastor is the one also leading the connect group discussion, that's one adult that all those students are building a relationship with, which isn't a bad thing. But if you can get somebody else leading that discussion, now they have two adult right. influences in their life. Well, and it's, it's good too, because I think certain messages might spur something in that mm-hmm. group more than others, yeah. you know? And so you might have to go off script. Do you want to know what else could be really awkward is, uh, if if I'm the one preaching the sermon and then I get down and and I'm gonna lead a connect group discussion, yep. and I'm What's like, what did, to you? Well, what did you guys think? Oh, it was good because they don't want to say uh-huh, like, wow, uh-huh. that sucked. Yeah. Uh, yeah <laughs> so right. now they're not being honest. Uh, but I do. If you can set your leaders up well with questions that are not just, 
thoughts? You know, yeah. what'd you guys think? Yeah. Uh, which can have a time and a place to be a good question. Uh, just kind of open-ended what stuck out to you guys can be a good question. Uh, but if that's the only thing you set them up with, that's that's not good. Something I that, that I do when I'm interacting with somebody new, because a lot of times, like when you're meeting somebody in the lobby, uh, you want to have a good engaging conversation. And something that I was I was taught was never ask them a question that's a one-word answer. Yeah. You know, Hey, do you live in the area? Yep. Versus, hey, where you know, are are how long have you lived around here? Oh, I've been here for such yeah. and such. It, what it, are it, some of your hobbies? R- right. Instead of like, do you play football? Right. Yes or no? Are you gonna go home and watch the game? <laughs> you know that type of thing. And so I think it's the same thing with you students. Is you know, you know, did you like the sermon? Yep. You know what? Like, are are you gonna go home and do this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. You know, versus like, okay, like what stuck out to you? What did you think about when Pastor Kyle said this? Like what did like what went through your mind? Those types of convert that that will just naturally spur yeah, that conversation good. on. That's good. I like that. So four questions, four different types of questions that that you could give your connect group leaders uh to kind of spur some discussion. The first one is is kind of a a connection question. Yep. Uh, you know, relating, relating it to their real life. I saw one example that was, uh, you know, they were, somebody was going through a sermon series on, uh, like some of the big heroes of the Bible. And so, you know, like asking the question, like who's, who's somebody in your life that is kind of like a superhero to you, or if you could have superpowers, which one would you pick? Uh, kind of that get the ball rolling, uh, question. And that's a, that's a really good, uh, We'll we'll talk about this a little bit later, but getting everybody talking early yeah. can be really good. And that is, you know, maybe the one caveat to the one word answer. Yep. Uh if if you could just, hey, we're before we begin, we're gonna go real quick around the first question yep. is, you know, if you could pick a superpower, what would it be? We're just gonna go around the circle and everybody's gonna share theirs. Yep. Super low pressure, but it can get everybody just a little bit of a foot in the door. Um, and so, you know, some sort of connection question that can relate to their life and, yep. and pull them in yep. in some way. Um, the second one is in like an observation question. Uh, you know, like what does, what does it say? What, what does the text say? What did the, the pastor or the speaker say? Uh, you know, do you guys remember when, when they said this, uh, you know, do you remember when they said this? What does this say? Something like that. Yep. Um, third one is an interpretation question. Like, what does it mean? Like, okay, we established, we got their foot in the door. We established what it says. Now, what does it mean? Uh, you know, what is the interpretation of, of this? What does this mean? And then the last question is, why does it matter? Some sort of significance. Yeah. And, and that's like a really nice four step, you know, pull them in the door. And then what does it say? What does it mean? And why does it matter? Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of like that blueprint. What I, and what I love about small groups is, you know, that connection really is a unifying thing. The observation is kind of like, what did you observe? But from there, now you're really almost kind of branching out. You know, the interpretation, what did it mean to this student? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, well, when I heard that, yeah, this is what... I interpreted it as, or this is what I got yeah. from it. Well, and even that observation piece, you know, we talked about asking the question, uh, what stuck out to you? Yeah. Different things are going to stick out to different students. Yep. Uh, you know, when, when the one student went to the bathroom 12 times during the message, they missed a lot. And so they're yeah. going to have to rely on, <laughs> Right. <laughs> and I'm not speaking from personal experience at all. 
uh, they're going to have to rely on somebody else in the group to say, hey, you know, this yep. stuck out to me. Like, oh man, that's really good. Well, and I found as a pastor, there are times, and you know, pastors, you understand this. This is like, you have your notes and unless you're a manuscript preacher, which not a ton of people are, a lot of times you will just kind of, as the spirit leads, just throw different things into the message that sometimes you don't even realize you're saying. Yeah. But that student, one student will snag that out. That's not even one of your main points, but because, because they're going through something that really pertains to what you said, it stuck out to them. And what I love about this, this goes back to the facilitator piece, you know, students will pick up various small things and go, he said that? And then all of a sudden, now you have conversations back and forth, which yep. is really, really cool. So, yeah, and they can they can bounce ideas off of each other on the observation piece. Yeah. They can then turn that into bouncing ideas off of, okay, like what, what did that mean? Yep, right. And then spinning that all the way home to, okay, how can we apply that? Why does it matter? Um, and so I love, I love that. And I actually, I might have to start stealing this for, for our own youth ministry. Uh, when I'm throwing out some sample connect group questions to kind of use these four as, as kind of a benchmark. Cause I really yeah. like this. Right. All right. 10 rules. It wouldn't be our podcast if we weren't somewhat organized. Emphasis on the somewhat. Well, yes, obviously. Okay, it's a, we're youth pastors at heart, yeah. and so we can't be too, too organized. organized. Correct. Um, but uh, 10 rules to facilitating a small group discussion. Don't um, you mean teaching a small group? No, I don't. That was <laughs> intentional. I like that. Uh, facilitating a small group discussion. We're just going to go back and forth on these. Do you want the evens or the odds? Um, I will take the evens. All right, so evens, you can go evens. first. I'm kidding. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> um, all right. Number one. Uh, and these, I, I don't know that these are necessarily in order, but the first one and the last one are, are for sure. Well, no, the, okay. I'll just change it on the just fly. Just read it. Uh, <laughs> I have to put all these qualifications in here. Cause we weren't, we were only somewhat organized. Correct. We have a list of 10, but they're not in order. Uh, number one, create a safe environment. And this is something that starts minute one, the first time your group gets right. together. You want to you hide the knives. You want to <laughs> do the things that are going to- I was going to say confiscate the knives. Oh, okay. But hiding them is fine. Perfect. Uh, you know, creating a safe environment where you can, you know, I encourage our connect group leaders the first time, because we, we take- you know, the fall is when we launch our new round of connect groups. Okay. You know, you got students that move from middle school to high school. You got students that graduate. And so we kind of shift around our groups each year. Uh, and one of the things I encourage our leaders to do is, man, set some rules where, you know, this is like, hey, we talk one at a time. Uh, you know, we respect everybody. And that involves not talking over each right. other. Uh, what happens in this group stays in this group. You know, where if somebody opens up and shares something, we don't go around talking about it right. with all of our friends, or even a friend that's right. not in the group. Yeah, not, because we know how that works. Not even the one friend, right? Um, because if everybody just talks about it with one friend, it spreads pretty quickly. Yep. Uh, and and then also, you know, you can you can take this and turn it into a goal as well. Not just talking about, hey, we want this to be a safe environment, but setting expectations for your students in this connect group at the beginning. Uh, I once saw a connect group leader who they intentionally, like they intentionally always sat in chairs in their group. They wouldn't sit on the floor. 
And then they also, uh, they would always have one extra chair uh, in their like group, that. Yep. in their circle. Yep. And, you know, there was, there was like the fluffy little joke, like, sure. oh, that's Jesus in our circle with right. us. Sure. But re- really the purpose of it was, you know, we always want that visual representation in our circle of the friend that you could invite next week. Yeah, I like that. And and they set that expectation from day one yep. and their group grew because they, they set the expectation of this is something that we want to value in our group is is numerical growth, right. inviting people into this circle, into this family that we have. And so yep. that was that was really cool. And Derek throwing a last minute note in here, that's really good. Um you know, you don't necessarily have to, I don't know. So you wrote mandatory reporting in here. Did you have like a specific thought on this? Well, or no, I, I don't I, know how, there, there's a couple different ways that you could present that to a group. Correct. So as, as a small group leader, again, as a facilitator, uh, Jesus is moving in the message you're meeting afterwards. And this student, you know, for whatever is happening, whether it's, um, suicidal ideation, whether it's stuff happening at home, whether it's something that happened to them years ago that never, you know, came to the surface. Like as the facilitator of the group, you're at some point likely going to have a student who shares something that is very, very real and very, very, uh, sensitive, I guess you could say. And so you as the group leader, one are, it's your job and responsibility to not let them overshare beyond because because like you know i'm sorry if this turns into a long tangent but i think this is really really important that as the facilitator of the group if you have a student who is just feeling some very real things like i just mentioned do you need to figure a way to dismiss them and have a one-on-one conversation with them in a safe environment you're not pulling them off into a room by yourself and putting mm-hmm. yourself in a dangerous situation but you need to get them out of the group because the other seven, eight, nine, ten people don't need to know that this really real stuff is happening because then rumors start and things really go sideways really fast. So you need to figure out a way to pull them out of that situation for where they can overshare. And pull another leader into that Correct. situation preferably. Correct. You know, and so I think this this varies from ministry to ministry, but what I would probably tell my small group leaders is if you hear something that you know is very, very important that I need to know, like I said, suicidal ideation, any form of abuse, physically, spiritually, emotionally, um, you know, whether sexual abuse, uh, all the stuff that that we can probably think of, the leaders don't necessarily have to report it, but I would probably tell all of my leaders, if you see anything like that, I need to know, uh, right away because mm. I need to either report it myself or figure out what our next steps are. And so, you know, I, 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 I'd be curious to know, but I just think part of creating a safe environment is protecting the students from each other sometimes yeah. in this, in this arena of really, yeah, no, that's good. And, and you can also, the last thing I'll add on that is, if if you sense as the leader of that group that you know a student might be heading in this direction yep uh it's not a bad idea to be upfront with them like hey you know just re- almost reminding them yep. like if if you share something along these lines like yep. i i have to tell somebody yep. Um, and it's not fun. You know you're never promising like yeah i'll keep your secret. No. You uh, can't. That's that's a bad idea. You can't. No, 
And so, you know, that, that that's not a fun thing. And I, I'm guessing at some point in some episode, we'll probably dive into this. because I, I, was, think this I was just thinking about that, doing yeah. an episode on like those mandatory reporting situations, yeah. how to facilitate those. Right. Because, I mean, it's, it's, it, there's a lot to it. Yep. Um, you know, it, it, we can kind of just casually throw it around, but it's a very, very deep layered thing. And so we'll, we'll dive into that here in a few episodes. But uh, number two on, on ways or rules of facilitating a small group discussion is uh, pretty self-explanatory, but I think it shouldn't be overlooked is having a plan. Uh, you know, you don't want to just send your leaders into a small group situation and just saying, you know, hey, whatever you guys think you can talk about. That, that's unnerving if you're someone who's not comfortable facilitating a small group. Like have some questions pertaining to your message ready to go. Uh, and honestly have them printed out on a piece of paper. You know, yeah. I know I know it's so much easier just to, you know, send the PDF and send it to their phone and have the leader looking at their phone, but there's just there's like an impersonal feel to that sometimes where it kind of feels like, um, okay, uh, I'm looking And at my when phone. you pull your phone out as the leader, it you know, indirectly gives every single student permission to yep. just at least pull their phone out and check it. Yep. And that's a huge distraction. Right. Even even just that one, like checking the time, checking, you know, do I have any notifications? Do I want to, you know, preview this text message really quick? And then they're thinking about it for the next 20 minutes and tuning you out. Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And so, you know, I think you and I, Kyle, we love sports. We love football. Uh, you know, you're, you as a coach are not just going into a game saying, all right, guys, here are our plays. Here's what we're going to do. I'm you not know. going into practice, right. you know, without a plan. Right. Uh, you know, I coach football, Derek coaches track, like walking into just practice without a plan of what we are going to do yep. is going to be incredibly unproductive. Right. Absolutely. And it's the same thing with, you know, leading a small group discussion. Yep. All right. Number three, uh, go where your group is ready for. And this is one of those things where uh, having different ages or different genders in groups yep. uh, can be helpful. Yep. Uh, one of the reasons that I give out, you know, here's like here's four different connect group questions. Not every group needs to hit all of them. Uh, you know, I mentioned that I've kind of been helping to lead one of our connect groups. It's our middle school boys group. And so, you know, in the illustration we used earlier, I might linger a little bit longer on the superhero power question. Sure. Um, you know, we, uh, on the other end of the spectrum, I've got a group of high school girls right now that their, I mean, their spiritual maturity as a collective is deeper than almost any group I've ever seen. Yep. And so they might just skip over that question altogether. Yep. Uh, if they've built a culture where, you know, everybody jumping into talk isn't an issue and they just want to dive in, then they, you don't have to jump into that. You know, you don't have to jump in with the super shallow question. Yep. Uh, you know, don't automatically stay in the shallow end and don't automatically go too deep. Yeah. You got to read, you got to read the group, read the scene. Yep. And that know. comes with, you know, that leader building relationship with, with those students. Yep. It's not going to be picture perfect, you know, discussion number one. Right. But learning it over time, learning where that sweet spot is and figuring out how deep your students want to go and how deep you can push them yep. uh, is really important. Yeah. Number four, I think is probably the biggest beef that I think leaders probably struggle with. A hundred percent. Because I know it is uncomfortable. But number four is purely to be comfortable with silence. silence. <laughs> <laughs> I I am so ready for somebody to be listening to this in their car and like panic with like 
like, like what happened? Like, did, did I, I hit pause accidentally? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. How uncomfortable did that make you feel? Very, very. <laughs> but no, it, it's like legitimate. I mean, I know a lot of my leaders told me like, like, I'm, I'm glad we do this, but like, it's just, it's getting them to talk is so painful. Yeah. And it, it's so, it's so tough because that silence is not fun, but we have to get comfortable with it because, you know, I think teachers, like school teachers do this really well. You know, like when, when you're working on homework during a class period or during a study hall, whatever you're doing, you know, a lot of times, you know, the student will ask for help or on a question and, you know, what do you think? Well, I don't know. Okay. Well, you know, and then they, they kind of just like give them a tiny little nugget and just let them process because, I think what we're trying to inevitably do is get them to go, one, it's okay to talk, and two, there's something down there whether you realize it or not. Yeah. You know, and so some ways to help with this silence, just very practical things are are rephrasing the question. Uh, don't just say, well, this is what Derek said or this is what Kyle said, right? Yep. Okay, let's move on. Mm-hmm. Like rephrase the question in a way that helps them, you know, m- maybe make the question easier, you know, like if it's a really deep question, okay, guys, and you know, so what do you think about this? Like, and whether it's another version of that question or something that's a little bit easier to answer. Uh, sometimes it's kind of like a layup question. Like, you know, if, if we're talking about, you know, getting into the Bible, uh, you know, so what are some ways we can get into the Bible? Silence. Mm-hmm. Okay, so like, so like, what are some things you do in your free time? Uh... I watch YouTube or I play Fortnite or whatever I do. Okay, cool. So like, what if we did, did it, you know, so you can kind of just rephrase that question in such a way, um, you know, and if there are lots of different right answers to that question, you know, just, or, you know, there are, there's no set. These are not like layup answers where it's like clean cut and dry. This is the correct answer, you know? And so sometimes you can say, hey, this is what I do, or this is what stuck out to me and kind of just get that ball rolling. Yeah, there's going to be some questions where it's like, no, no, there is there is a right answer um, yeah. to this. And and we'll talk about that a little bit more down on question number seven. Uh, but you know, for questions that it is open-ended, you know, if nobody wants to, this is the question we keep using as the example, but if nobody wants to share their superpower right away, go ahead and share yours. Uh, hey, I'll start. You know, I wish I could be invisible because can you imagine how many great pranks I could pull on our kids pastor if I was invisible? Yeah. Uh, you know, and then they'll laugh a little bit and then somebody, you know, what about you? And and that's another like, it, yeah, you can call on kids. Yep. Uh, I once watched a group of our high school girls use a box of mac and cheese as like the sharing stick. I like that. Like they would pass around this box of mac and cheese and whoever had it was the one that talked. Yep. And sometimes for some kids, like, shoot, I can't talk because I can't, I don't have the mac and cheese, so I have to shut up. But then there's other kids that are like, shoot, I have the mac and cheese. I got to talk now. Uh, And and it can go both ways. That might be something where I want to hold the mac and cheese. So I want to talk. Like, like right. Like, and yeah. yeah, we'll talk about that later too. Uh, <laughs> Just a big tease. Hey, that's fine with me. Uh, number five, uh, encourage students to join the discussion. Uh, you know, if, if you've got that student that's a little bit shyer or quieter, uh, you know, give them some positive feedback when they do talk. Uh, you know, we talked about having a question that everybody can answer quickly. That one word answer, it doesn't require a ton of thought. Yeah. You know, you can, the one thing we haven't mentioned with this superpower thing, if you want to dive a little bit deeper into it, have a little bit more fun, ask them why, 
Right. You know, like, you know, what's your, what superpower would you want? Invisibility. Okay, cool. You, you can move on at that point or you could follow it up with why would you choose invisibility? That's interesting. Yeah. And, and you can learn a little bit more about that kid, learn how mischievous they are, uh, or just, you know, uh, open up the discussion a little bit more. But when it comes to those kids that are a little bit quieter, I think that, uh, you know, in, in giving them some positive feedback and encouragement whenever they do talk is is going to build them up a little bit. And that, and that really helps bridge that gap if, you know, hopefully you're having new students come to your youth ministry on a given Wednesday night. That's ideal. And so, like, it's one thing to come to a new church. To sit down in a group that's already established can be very, very difficult. And so I feel like this is a good point to just really rope those kids in and be like, hey, what's your name again? Stanley? Okay. Stanley. There you know. it is. <laughs> uh, but you could also, like, you could, as the as the leader of the discussion, you could have a set, uh, you know, set of questions. Yep. If you have a new person in your group, you know, here are the three questions that we ask every new person in our group. Yeah. Uh, you know, when I first started, as, we don't do this anymore, but when I first started as a youth pastor, and I got this from the youth pastor before me, whenever we would have a guest speaker come and speak or, or anybody but me, basically, yeah, we would always, if it was their first time speaking in our youth ministry, yep. we would start off, I would invite them up and I would ask them, you know, what's your full name? You know, yep. so I it, don't say Tim, I want Timothy. Yep. Uh, give me your middle name. You know, like we yep. have some fun with that. Uh, you know, crunchy or creamy peanut butter. Yeah. Uh, you know, what size shoe do you wear? Yep. Uh, you know, just some silly questions to break that, the ice that breaks the ice a little yeah. bit. They're easy to answer. Yep. Uh, everybody knows if they prefer crunchy or creamy peanut butter. Um, you know, it, that, and that I won't get into that. That's for another day. Maybe another <laughs> quick question. It's not quite on the jelly filled donut level, but nope. there is a right answer. Correct. Uh, and so for, for kids like that, Again, like we've said, roping them in with a simple, easy to answer yeah. question can be a great tool. Also, depending on how much time allows and how much are in your group, I've also just went around and as treated as if everybody was brand new. So, yeah. hey, let's go around, say your name and your favorite kind of toothpaste. Yeah, that might random. be a good thing to do every once in a while. You know, just to be like, yeah, because then that kid doesn't feel like, okay, well, everyone's looking at me now and I hate this. Yeah. Um. So number six, um, keeping command of the group and holy buckets. We need one of those rules for in here because we get off on bunny trails <laughs> so much. But, um, you know, this is not just a matter of because without fail, if you get into a small group, you're going to have tangents that have no rhyme or reason at all. Uh, you know, but I think it's we kind of as small group leaders or facilitators you know, we can, we, we see that and we go, you know what? Okay. We got to bring this back to mm-hmm. the topic at hand. We can't just spend the next 15 minutes talking about creamy peanut butter uh, or whatever it is. Like we have to get the conversation back on topic. But another segment of this, that's very important is you don't want that one kid sharing everything. Like I, I have this in track all the time where like this one kid just asks questions or, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, and then it's just like everybody knows he's just going to raise his hand and talk so nobody else does. And it's the same way, you know, in, in a connect group or a small group that, you know, you might have that talker and not that we want to discourage him from talking, but, you know, hey, does, does anybody else have some thoughts? And just really kind of try to stir that conversation because if one kid starts talking the whole time, it kind of just kills the vibe for everybody else to share. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and 
Yeah, you you don't want the one kid to monopolize the conversation. You don't want the conversation to just go off the rails. Right. Uh, two very you know big things in not keeping command of the group. Uh, but it also kind of ties into question number seven, uh, or or rule number seven, which is you know allowing students to start off on the wrong track. Uh, you know, I w- if there is a, if it is a question where there is a right answer, uh, if a student says something wrong. Don't, depending on, you know, use discernment, depending on the time and the place, but I would say don't always just automatically shut them down and, right. and give the right answer. Right. Uh, that, can, that, is, that can be helpful, but asking open-ended questions like, are you sure? Or, you know, where does it say that? Or how did you reach that conclusion? And getting them to really think about the process and maybe you can steer them to figure out where they went wrong to get them back on track, you know, steering them toward the right answer instead of just showing them what the right answer is, yeah, uh, can be a really, really great opportunity for students to grow, yeah, uh, within connect group discussion. Sometimes I'll just kind of throw out a question and the students just start talking. This is you know a fictional ideal scenario where every student loves to talk in a connect group, right? And it's all beneficial. But they all start talking and they're talking and, you know, theologically, there's something really wrong with kind of sure. where they seem to be headed. Yep. But I'll let it go. And, you know, if I need to, I'll, you know, get that guardrail out and, and steer them back off of the cliff toward yep. something a little bit more theologically accurate. Yep. And, you know, we will always land where we need to, but allowing them the freedom to explore a little bit before they get there uh, can be really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And... You know, I think even with that too, because um, well, when, when, when we first looked at this and it allows students to start off on the wrong track, I even went with this too. Like, even if you have a rabbit trail to start and it's building conversation pieces, that's okay too. You know, like don't just, this kind of goes back up to earlier. Don't just like, start, all right, guys, we got to dive right into this thing. You know, like yeah. just let. And if it's a productive rabbit trail, yeah, why do you need to get off of it? Right. You know, I the, another thing that I'll tell our youth leaders it's okay if if you ask you know your first connect group question and they just run with it and it's not specifically in the direction that we were aiming for it to go but if it's a positive and and fruitful direction for the conversation to go keep going right push into that yep. if they're passionate about it and they want to dive deeper into this do it yep absolutely yeah uh number 8 allow for fun uh this this cannot be overstated because I think this is what makes like small groups versus connect groups. Um, you know, I feel like the groups that are super, super tight. I mean, I've talked to some older adults in my church as of late and, you know, when I'm kind of hearing their life story, they, it all comes back to, I had this group of guys or this group of girls that like were my everything. We did everything together. We grew together. We had fun together. And like that really was the the catalyst for their life of faith. And, you know, fun is something that I think we sometimes poo-poo on, but like it really has a place in your ministry. So if you're in a small group leader, if you are a small group leader, I'm sorry, get together with your students per their parents' permission outside of a Wednesday night. You know, if, if one of your guys, one of your girls is going to a soccer game, 
or is playing in a soccer game, hey, meet me at the field. Let's get some signs and let's just cheer them on. Yeah. You know, or hey, hey guys, what if, uh, you know, if your parents are cool with it, bring your parents with, grab your dad, grab your mom. Like, let's go hang out at, you know, a, a theme park or do something fun. Because what you're doing is you're having that fellowship and community side and it's just building relationships. And so uh, analogy that I heard is change in the pocket. Uh, you know, a lot of times, you know, when we do things like that have really no theological basis, you know, there are times when I'm hanging out with students and for six hours straight, we play video games and right. eat pizza. Yep. Is there any fruitfulness there from a theological standpoint? No, but what's happening is we're having fun. We're building, mem- we're, we're building relationship. We're making memories and we're strengthening our relationship so that when push comes to shove and they do want to talk about something deeper, there's that trust and that security there that allows them to dig in. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the more you do that stuff, the more you build that trust and the deeper you can go in your discussions. Yeah, absolutely. Number nine, uh, pray together. You know, at the end of every connect group time, uh, at the end of every discussion, I'd encourage leaders to, you know, ask their students if there's anything they can pray for and actually do it. And this is something that as a connect group leader, you need to take the initiative on first. Yep. Um, you know, set the expectation. You should start off being the one that's leading out in prayer. And then, uh, as the, as you go, getting other students involved in this can be a phenomenal, phenomenal way to build community. Uh, where, you know, you ask kids, Hey, you know, anybody have a prayer request and, you know, Meredith is like, Hey, can you pray for, uh, my son? Because he has a face tattoo and you're like, sweet. Okay. Stanley, can you pray for Meredith? And Stanley's like, yeah, cool. And then you move on to the next, you know, prayer request and have another student designated to pray for it. Yep. Or, you know, you have one student that's just going to pray this week. Whatever it is, getting them in, that's a, that's a great way to get them involved and, and yeah. get them, uh, you know, used to praying, praying. out loud in yep. front of other people. Yeah. Uh, and, and reminding them it doesn't have to be elaborate. It doesn't have to be, yeah. Uh, you know, this grand prayer full of King James vertebrae. Yep. Vocabulary. I was going to say vertebrae, but that's not right. Not, not quite. Not quite. It's close. Um, but you know, you want that backbone of the, no, nope, I'm not, <laughs> I was trying to bring it in somehow. Uh, prayer, prayer should be, you know, that's, that's a phenomenal way to end your connect group. Yep. Yeah. And the last one would just be, this is probably one that I am missing the most right now in our youth ministry is just being able to follow up with students. I think this, if you have connect groups and you have people um, that are digging in with your students every single week, having them text students is so, so foundational for lots of reasons. Number one, um, you know, I found this to be true. We live in a day and age where there's some really sick and twisted, messed up stuff that happens. And so, you know, while I, as a male youth pastor, have nothing but pure intentions texting one of our female students. If you are a parent of that student and you don't know me that well, it can be very unnerving. Like, Hey, Phyllis, uh, you know, <laughs> Hey, I know, uh, you know, God was doing some cool stuff. So you know, I'm praying for you. And you know, we loved having you last right. night, you know, like as a parent, if you don't know me, you might really, really not like that at all. And so having a female, small group leader reaching out to a female student or a male and male 
it just it, it it's not as creepy, I guess you could say, and that can be really helpful. But purely from a a logistic standpoint, you know, we are in a place of where you know, while in the spring our numbers are fluctuating a little more, but I have a a, a core of between 40 and 60 core youth students that attend our youth ministry on a consistent basis. And so, you know, being able to text every one of them every week is, is darn near impossible. Yep. And so, you know, whereas if you have a small group of seven girls, eight guys, whatever it is, that's much more manageable to, for them to reach out and say, Hey, so good seeing you last night. Just letting you know, I'm praying for you this week. And, uh, you know, even, you know, this is something at Kyle Ada, which I think is really, really cool, is following up on those prayer requests. You know, if uh, if there's something that got prayed for on a Wednesday night, you know, check in Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday, whatever it is, and say, hey, you know, I've been thinking about this, been praying for it. How are things going? Um, it just it really kind of creates that connection, that development, like we were talking about. Yeah, absolutely. That's uh, that about does it for today's episode. Leading small group discussions. Uh, you know, we hope that uh, that this episode is a great tool to help train uh, ourselves, train our youth leaders, train youth leaders and youth pastors across the world because we are worldwide. Let's be honest. Uh, and uh, hopefully, you know, anytime youth ministries can grow together and get a little bit better, that's uh, that's always a win. So don't forget to. Um, don't forget to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Give us those five-star reviews because we just need that validation need that. in yep. our lives. Um, but uh, that does it for today's episode. Uh, let's go play Silent Ball. Goodbye. Goodbye.